Welcome to the Free Retiree Show. My name is Lee Michael Murphy. I've been in wealth management for the last 10 years right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. People have always asked me, how do I achieve financial independence? And while the financial world wants you to believe it's as simple as investing your money, I'm here to tell you it's a small piece of the puzzle. I've seen four consistent factors in the people that have achieved financial independence. One, they excel in their career. Two, they manage their money properly. Three, they're able to avoid devastating financial mistakes. They can see through the BS. And lastly, they understand they need to learn from the best, the people that have achieved success in their career and their finances. Join us on our journey as we learn how to become free retirees. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside career advisor, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? How you doing? Doing good, man. Happy to have you on today. So for today's episode, we're going to be discussing how to pivot in your career. For a lot of folks, they've been in certain industries for years, if not decades. And a lot of times, they're not happy, but they're scared to make a move. So they wonder, what industry would I be a good fit for? What fits with my skills and abilities? And how do I make that transition? So for today, we're going to be talking about the importance of having a career backup plan and how to make that transition, how to pivot in your career. And in this age of COVID-19, it's never been more important. And today we have the privilege of interviewing Mark Miller. He is the president and CEO of Career Pivot. He's the author of Repurpose Your Career, a practical guide for the second half of life. And he's the host and producer of an award-winning podcast called Repurpose Your Career. So Serge, I know you've helped a lot of people land their dream jobs. You get them in the door. You, you help them get all the skills and abilities to land those high roles. But what do you do when you find people that just aren't happy in the industry and they want to make that change? Yeah, I mean, I echo your thoughts. Super excited to have Mark on. And then on your question, I think the reality is, is so I'm in Silicon Valley. I've been in Silicon Valley the last 10 years or so. And a lot of people are, are stressed out, anxious, and sometimes burned out, to be honest. And I think it's important for me to know and be able to identify kind of what I call the symptoms and the warning signs and being willing to take the risk. I think a lot of people get stuck and the hardest thing to do is being okay with taking a risk and being okay with uncertainty. But um, to your point earlier, I think it's in, like extremely important to have a backup plan we don't know when this tech bubble is going to blow up. Yeah. So super excited to have Mark on because he's got great insight into pivoting in your career, plus how this all translates to the world of COVID. So we're going to go to a quick break, but before we do so, make sure you like our show, share us on LinkedIn, Facebook. We appreciate the love and support. And if you have questions for us, send them to ask at the We'll take a quick break and when we're back. We'll be sitting down with Mark. Miller, president of Career Pivot. Mark, thank you for coming on our show. How are you doing this morning? 
I am alive. I'm vertical. I'm breathing. Those are all, uh, I'm thrilled to be here. In the day of COVID-19, man, that is fantastic. Live and breathing, not on fire, no deadly disease. You are doing great. Perspective and gratitude. Love it. I set achievable goals in the morning. (laughs) You woke up. (laughs) That's right. So, Mark, explain to everyone what you do and what Career Pivot does. Okay. Um, Number one, you have to understand that I have been a professional career changer in my life. And I'm 64 now, and I've done it seven times. Um, And I currently have an online community primarily targeting the 50-plus community who want to make transitions. Um, For most of us, what we want to do is I don't ever want to retire. I want to work at something I love for as long as I can. And so I help people through both the podcast, the book, uh, my online community uh, to help figure out uh, what the heck am I going to do next? And how, uh, how do I make that happen? That's interesting. So you mentioned you target the 55 and up community. Do you, I guess like, what are your, what are the biggest obstacles there? And I assume, you know, I mentioned people are afraid of risk. Does that happen in in that world also, I assume in that target market? Okay. I was raised to be an employee to go work for a father like company that after 30 or 40 years, I should say the father like company that would take care of me. And after 30 and 40 years, I would ride off into the sunset with a pension. Yeah. Right. Uh, I like to say three quarters of the way through, they move my cheese. So, <laughs> well, I, I worked for IBM for 22 years. In 1999, they screwed me on my pension wow. after 22 years. So I gave them the single finger salute and went to work for a successful tech startup. But we weren't oriented or raised to go take risks. I have a well-known blog post called... Um, failure is not an option is BS is I was raised in that generation where if you failed, you are a screw up. Mm-hmm. You live in a place now, Silicon Valley, where it's fail off and fail fast. Yep. That's a real shift in how you think and the ability to take risk understanding how to mitigate risk. And it's, it's, it's for much of my generation, and this is not true for everyone, but it's true of a large percentage of us where we, were, we weren't raised that way. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. My parents did the, my dad was at Cisco for a long time. My, my mom was at Hewlett Packard and they freak out when I tell them I'm changing companies, but it's, it's the norm in Silicon Valley, two, three, four years, you go to the yeah. next bigger and better opportunity. And, and that your generation, it's just like foreign to them. Well, my father, my parents were very old when I was, when I was born. I was born in the mid 1950s. My parents were, um, you know, my mom was born 1918, my dad, 1920. And my parents grew up through the depression. My father served in World War II. They believed in big government. They believed in big companies. They believed in safety. Mm. Well, safety is gone in your career anymore. 
particularly as we see in this in in this new COVID nineteen world, where we're seeing industries literally being blown up. Uh, in fact, there's a very good Forbes article this week on um, how the tourism business has to completely change. And you know, they were talking about our our current president was talking about bailing out cruise ship lines. And they had a link to an article that said, by the way, these cruise lines, they're all owned outside the U.S. They employ almost no U.S. citizens. They pollute like crazy. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and they pay no U.S. taxes. So why would you want to bail them out? Um, we have, then we have airlines. We have all this that's, it's going to come back. When? We don't know. Yeah, Mark, I think, uh, you know, talking about great articles, I actually read your article on, uh, I think you called it the unpredictable is the new normal. I thought that was a fantastic article that you wrote. Can you give the listeners a little bit of uh, what that article was about and why you wrote it? Sure. One of the things that we know when things, when things are unpredictable, it is stressful. I had is Eliz Green on my podcast earlier this year talking about um, stress and unpredictability. And she talks about an exercise that one of the universities did that said, um, well, she talked about the fact that if, if your boss walks in on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock and says, I want you in my office. If you know you've been a rock star employee, you probably gonna get a little nervous or actually if you are a if you are a total slacker <laughs> you're probably not going to get nearly as nervous because you know you're going to get fired yeah right so oh, that's interesting i would have thought it'd be the opposite but that makes sense right if if you know you've been a total slacker and it's like okay i'm gonna get fired okay <laughs> they're gonna let me go um, it's finally here time has come but but it's it's when we don't know and we don't know why and like right four months ago i couldn't tell you what the economy was going to look like today in right now anyone who says okay we know what's going to be doing well in four months from now you know what they're smoking something and they yes they're <laughs> inhaling and they better be doing it in a state where it's legal. Because <laughs> you can't, right now, unpredictability. And we are reaching the point where COVID has touched so much. It has disrupted supply chains. It has disrupted just about everything. I, I live here in Mexico. And we drove back to Austin, Texas last week or last month for a, so I could drop off my ballot and re-register my car. And the drug cartels have had their supply chains disrupted coming from China. In other words, they can't get the chemicals to make fentanyl. <laughs> Poor guys. Two, because the borders are semi-shut down, they can't get their drugs across in cars and trucks nearly as easily. So they're taking their, and forget about the wall, it's just, it's, it all goes cars in cars and trucks. And because of that, they're taking over avocado plantations in, in Guanajuato and they're, they're hijacking, they're stealing high value cars coming through Nuevo Laredo. 
Wow. Wow. Even elite, even the criminals have had their supply chains disrupted. <laughs> this is crazy. So my wife's dad's from Wanawato. I knew he was shady. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's everything is being disrupted. So you have to look at is my career, is my industry on target? Mm. I mean, right now, um, most portions of tech are doing really well. Yeah. Pharmaceuticals are doing really well. Um, there are lots of industries that are, but if you're in, uh, if you're in, the, like I have a good friend who's in the meetings industry, he's a full-time public speaker. He watched his entire year's bookings go away in three days in March. Ouch. Wow. Um, if you are in the hotel business, think of what's happening to restaurants. Um, it's, you know, th th think if you were in the movie business. Yeah. You know, right. But then again, so you have to start looking at how are, how are things changing? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, how COVID has changed the way we eat what we eat, where we go, how we go. And like Lee, when we talked earlier, we talked about the fact that we stopped flying. So therefore we stopped renting cars, which caused Hertz to go bankrupt. And by the way, they were a basket case to start with. <laughs> Hertz. They are, they are now dumping their late model cars on the used car market. In huge numbers, by the way, it's a great time to buy a used car. And the fact that the fleet, the rental car agencies and the various fleet folks buy 25% of all new cars. Yeah. So the fact that we're not flying affects the automotive industry. And then think about what that then does to, you know, the suppliers, the parts suppliers, the machine shops that supply, you know, Ford, General Motors, Fiat, Chrysler you have all these trickle down effects. So the first thing you have to do in this time is make sure that you understand what's happening to your industry. And yeah. right. And being so aware, right? There, it's like being aware yeah. of your surrounding and what's going on and not waiting, well, not I, waiting for your industry to crumble. Or is like, I had a, a woman in my online community um, who pivoted at a nonprofit. She went back to her technical support and customer support role and landed a job at a telehealth service that, um, that they've seen their business triple this year. Unfortunately, when business triples for a company like that, they have a really hard time scaling. And right now the telehealth businesses go booming because um, the government relaxed the HIPAA rules on privacy. Well, one of the big questions now is once we're done with this, will insurance companies continue to pay for virtual visits? Mm. Got me. Um, I've got a woman in, um, in my online community who works at a alcohol and drug rehab. And they are actually seeing greater success. And I've heard this from other sources within that, that industry, that they are getting better uh, outcomes, seeing their patients, seeing their addicts and alcoholics virtually 
because the, it's a it's one less impediment for them to go visit their counselor. Wow, I would have never who, thought. Who, yeah, that's who, that's mind blowing. Yeah, who would have thought of that? Yeah, because you think about when someone's got something like that, they need to check themselves in. They need to be around all these people, and that's yeah. But yeah, I would have never guessed. That's a lot of hurdles right. if you think for like let's just say for an addict. That's a lot of obstacles. I would I would imagine if you're in that mental state. Yeah, I mean, it's there. We are seeing change. We're seeing sh total shifts. You know, just simply look how many people are now working from home, which, by the way, is about 50% of people can work from home. Um, there are a lot of essential workers who cannot. And so you start looking at, okay, their home. I mean, look, look what's happening that where you are in Silicon Valley. Um, all these tech companies said, well, you can work from anywhere. Yeah. Um, I have lots of friends back in Austin where I worked in the tech industry for 35 years. And um, by the way, all these smaller companies are all giving up their lease space. So they're all saying, okay, next July, we're going to, you know, we're going to bring everybody back into the office, except there won't be an office. So and, and think about what does that do to commercial real estate? Exactly. Like some office buildings are going to be, you know, the, some of the spaces in the in commercial are going to be hit really hard while, you know, e-commerce might do fantastic. Well, we will, we'll, we'll do fantastic, but yeah, the commercial office space can be, will be decimated. Well, at the same time, residential real estate is doing really well and in fact, home remodeling businesses are doing phenomenally well because people are spending all their time at home. People have time. Yeah. yeah. I have a friend that's in the kitchen remodeling business and she owns a very successful company called Lazy Susan Designs. And they are doing amazing right now with all the requests they're getting because people are at home with COVID. Uh, shout out to Anne-Marie. Well, yeah, you're at home looking at your kitchen every day. It's like, look at this shitty kitchen. I want to remodel it. So yeah. it's it's interesting, Mark. You mentioned commercial real estate and the impact on tech. I'm I, I work at a big tech company, and I'm worried about you know for someone that needs a career pivot is the workers at these companies, the the chefs, the the people at the cafes, the security guards. What if we never come back to the office? Yes, there's no question that what will happen in urban planning. Uh, is a really good question. I've I've got one of the women uh, in my online community picked up from her. She, in, she moved to to Idaho, and you know it's and a lot of you know a lot of you Californians are picking up and moving to Texas and Idaho and and Denver, mm -hmm. and and think about how that will change voting patterns how that will change demographics. Um, it's one thing we saw in Austin. I moved to Austin in 1978 and I lived there until uh, 2018. And it, it was amazing how it grew, but also trying to maintain as half of California moved in. And, you know, and then what it did to property taxes and cost of housing and all that. So all of this will change. Um, nothing will stay the same. So with all this change now, 
people are, a lot of people are thinking about moving into different industries or careers, or some people are just being playing out forced, like, like you're talking about. So what are those people that are thinking about making a change? Like, what do you recommend? Like, what do they need to think about? Okay. So I always claim that in your career, you're branded two ways. You're branded by your skill set. Um, whether you're a financial advisor, I spent much of my career is as a technical trainer, or as I like to say, I was a geek that could speak. Um, or you're branded by your industry. The reality is you usually change one or the other, but not both. So the idea here is, and I the classic example is I'm an engineer. Work, I'm, I'm there. I'm in Silicon Valley. I'm an engineer, software developer, and uh, working for a big tech company. And I go say, I want to go be a pastry chef. And I want to maintain. And I want to maintain the same level of income. My response is, yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> um, but if I suddenly said, I'm going to go be a software developer for a, a large. Um, uh, consumer packaged goods company that makes uh, that that bakes cakes. I want to go work for Sarah Lee. Okay, and then you can slowly transition your way in. By the way, changing industries is much harder than changing, pivoting within the industry into another into another skill set, because people always look at your industry skills first. And if you'll go to my podcast, I believe it's episode 175. I've interviewed a friend of mine, Daniel Elizalde, who's actually where you are right now. He's, I think he still is a, a vice president of marketing for um, Ericsson in their IoT division. And he has pivoted multiple times between industries. First, he did it with a blog, and the second, he did it as a podcast. And what he's done is he goes, he, he builds a platform, and he starts interviewing people in the industry he wants to get into. And suddenly, that starts building his brand and starts demonstrating that he actually knows something about this. I have a blog post out there, you know, what to do when you have... Um, you have the expertise, but no experience. That's, that's a classic example. I have another, another former client who did this, something similar. He started, he wanted to get into um, digital transformation. He was the uh, chief technical officer of, um, of an oil and gas company in Germany. And he wanted to get into um uh, into digital transformation, primarily with small and medium businesses. So he started the digital transformation blog and he started producing videos, which then got him speaking gigs at various different conferences, which eventually landed him where he is now. Uh, Alexander is now uh, at Gartner group as a digital transformation expert. And so it very often you've got to figure out where you want to go if you want to switch industries and then get real targeted and demonstrate, you actually know your stuff. So Mark, I got a question. What's sure. the difference of someone that wants to switch a career and say, maybe they want to switch 
their industry and be an employee versus someone that starts a business? Sure. So one of the one of the key things that's happening to particularly my age demographic, and by the way, I'm 64, and um, is we have somewhere between three and a half and five million people in the 55 plus age group who've been displaced and are not showing up in the unemployment rolls. Why? Because they're not looking for jobs. And and they and they can't afford to retire. They will eventually are waiting this out and see what happens. The prediction is a healthy percentage of those will be quote forced into retirement. In other words, they won't be able to find work. So what I always tell people is start a side side gig. Start something that you actually want to go do. And the the one thing I just had Chris Farrell, who's an economist and a um, uh, he's a personal finance for PBS and a bunch of other folks, Wall Street Journal. And Chris t- talked about the fact that, you know, you want to go start this side business. And by the way, it's the barriers to entry are insignificant to what they were 20 years ago. When I started in tech back in the late seventies, early eighties, and I was in Austin and I was in hardware and semiconductors, you know, you were looking at hundreds of millions of dollars to get started. Now you want to do a, do a software product. You get some space on Amazon web services. You might want to get a little bit of space at WeWorks, although we probably just do it from home now. And you're probably up and running for less than $10,000. Hmm. Yeah. Well, look what we're doing. We're talking over a very inexpensive piece of software called Zoom, uh, which you're there recording it. You're hosting it for probably 10 or 15, $20 a month on a, on a podcasting service. The cost is almost insignificant. I'm running, I'm running a MacBook Air here that's five years old. And and by the way, you're in Silicon Valley and I'm down here outside of Guadalajara, Mexico. Yeah. It's amazing. And we're talking. Mm-hmm. So there's no what I'm hearing is there no there's no excuse. If you want to start something, let's start it. Right. There's there's yeah, minimal I mean, excuses right now. I mean I've written four books in the last eight years. I've self-published all of them. Uh, I sell about a thousand copies a year. I run Amazon ads. I don't run Facebook ads because I don't like Facebook. Uh, uh, No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. Mark, for the record, I I, I work at Facebook. Okay. Okay. But uh, uh, no comment. (laughs) (laughs) They could be listening to us right now. Well, hey, uh, but yeah, one of the the key pieces is, um, you know, and, and, you know, my co-author on my book lives in Porto, Portugal. My book cover designer now lives in Ghana. Actually, I knew her when she lived in Austin, Texas. She moved back to Ghana to take care of her elderly father. I can team with people all over the world. You know, right now I'm, I'm having my web, my community website rethemed and it's being done by a team back in uh, Austin, but they're really not in Austin. Cause they probably get, they probably have a developer in the Philippines someplace doing the, the, the hard work. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, and my, I have a virtual assistant who's in somewhere in on the on the west coast of uh, Florida. And oh, by the way, when I started with Stephanie, she was in Indiana. Mm. So <laughs> you you know, the sky's the limit. You know what you can do today versus what you could do five, ten years ago. You know, I I can go develop products and get them and go sell them on Amazon. So, Mark, I think one of the biggest difficulties or barriers to pivoting in your career is the monetary part of it, right? As you talked about in the beginning, you got this person that's in the Silicon Valley. They're they're working at Google. It's tough to give it's tough to give up that Google income, but yet they're they're not passionate about what they're doing. They they want to they want to do something else. What do you tell people that want to make that move, but they're scared about the money? They're scared about losing that income. Okay, so one of the things is you've got to assess what's really important to you. And you know, I'll use the example. I'll give you a really good book to help with this. Um, there's a book called Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. And Dr. Cloud talks about the fact that for new things to begin, we often have to end old things. And those are relationships, jobs, careers. Um, and by the way, for most of us, we suck at ending things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things when I left my last tech startup in 2011, because I worked for a sociopath and I said, I'm never doing that again. And I started Career Pivot. Well, we're, we lived in Austin, Texas, where I'd lived for, you know, at that point, about, about 35 years. And we had already moved in, we had already downsized into a condo. And eventually, after the 2016 election, and there are lots of things that happened in 2017, including health insurance exploded on me a lot of things i'm wondering why am i still here in austin and you know what i couldn't give a good answer and that's when we started exploring to becoming expats so one of the questions is go back and understanding why why are you doing what you're doing why are you living where you're living and start, and, and then you can start doing trade-offs. And by the way, you need to start talking to people and start understanding what's important. By the way, there are a whole lot more important things in life than money. I mean, that's one of the things we are seeing with COVID is the fact that, um, you know, people aren't traveling, they're not eating out, they're, in fact, they're probably eating a lot healthier eating at home. Yeah. You know, it's interesting down where I live here in Mexico, I eat a true, so much more healthier than I did in the U S because everything is fresh. And by the way, I'm, I'm six foot four. I'm down to about 178 pounds. Oh, you're lean. Wow. I'm yeah, lean. lean. I am. I, I am at the same weight I was when I graduated from college. That's impressive. In 1978. Okay. Um, I hike three times a week. I go up to eight, 9,000 feet from where I live at 5,000 feet. I'm healthier than I've been in years. Well, how important is that? Extremely. Right? But when we're stuck in the rat race and we're going 60, 70, 80 hours a week, 
it's uh, it's really hard. It's interesting. I just did my reader survey. I have about 4,000 readers on my blog and I got about a hundred people to respond and a couple of questions. I asked a bunch of open-ended questions. And one of them is how has this affected your quality of life? And about 10% said it actually is the, the pandemic has improved their quality of life because they've slowed down. They're not commuting. They have more time to spend with their wife and their kids. Yeah. Which for some people, that's not a good thing. <laughs> and for others, it's a real good thing. <laughs> well, the commute, I mean, the commute one- part alone is, is huge. I'm saving about three-ish hours a day, not commuting to work every day. Yes. And by the way, those people who are still employed and working from home, you are probably saving more money than you ever thought possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Because you're not going out to eat. You're not going on expensive vacations. Right? You're, um, and so, therefore, um, you know, it's, it's forcing everybody to, you know, rethink things. So if you're in, go back to your original question, if you're in Silicon Valley and you don't like your job, the question is, why are you there? What are you willing to give up? What are, what are, what are those necessary endings that you have to, ha- you have to make in order for that new thing to happen? That's gold. Yeah, that's, that's really insightful. So Mark, what ways have you seen, you know, I know this is part of what you do and you help people make those transitions. How, how are ways that people can start monetizing on that new passion or that pivot in their career? I know it doesn't happen overnight, but once you give us some ideas of how people can make some money following their passion and leaving the hypothetical Google or the Facebook or the Apple where they just feel burnt out. So the question comes down to is, can I take this and teach this online? Can I build something? Um, Can I create products? Can I create informational products? Um, In fact, I had one gentleman who came to me who um, he'd been installing flooring for years and he was in his late fifties and he says, wow, this is just, it, it, it was really hard, but he says, everyone comes to him. I said, start creating YouTube videos on how to, inst- how to do all this stuff, particularly because there's so much DIY stuff and, and then start saying, okay, how can I monetize that? Uh, I'll use the example. I'll give the, there's a young couple that travels around Mexico. They're called Tangerine Travels. Uh, they're, they're late twenties. They call themselves tangerine travels because they drive around in a tangerine colored Prius. <laughs> and, um, and they've been, and they, they're YouTubers and they do affiliate, uh, income. Um, you know, you know, I, I signed up for rocket Spanish based on their affiliate link and, you know, but there are all kinds of ways, but the, the, the key piece here, and I, I get people periodically, I got one mediocre book review on my repurpose your career. And he says, it's not telling me anything 
telling me a detailed checklist plan of how I should do this? And the answer is right. Cause it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like I explained, um, I got into therapy in the early nineties and I'm a, I'm a recovering engineer, right? There's a 12 step program for that. <laughs> and, and I went to my therapist yeah. and I said, can't you just give me a detailed checklist on how I can do, how I can fix myself. And she said, no, <laughs> I've done, I, I do this career pivot evaluation, which I, I have on my podcast. I've done four of these where I've taken people through it's a four feedback session and I use the Berkman assessment and I pick people's personalities apart by taking them back in their careers. And when have they been the most miserable and when have they been the happiest and understanding why? And one of the key factors is as I've done about 500 of these, boy, I can tell you, we are all really different. So it's a matter of getting back to your roots um, I have a chapter in my book called um, uh, Suffering from MSU Disorder. And MSU stands for Make Stuff Up. Mark, what's the name and, of the book? Uh, Repurpose Your Career or a Practical Guide for the Second Half of Life. Got it. And the, but MSU, by the way, anyone who says they don't do it is lying. When we lack information, we have a void in knowledge we will naturally fill it with stuff we make up. So one of the things to do is to get outside of your own head, which means you need, actually need to talk to people. You're not going to do it by yourself. That's one reason why I built my online community was to help people going where they have a group of people who are doing different things and they're going, what you're doing? What really? You can do that. Or I've got, I've got Charles in the community who is a, um, he's a, he's a tenured professor at a university and he's all he does is chase grant money. And he really didn't want to do that anymore. And he, found this fellowship where he'd go to DC for a year and they would teach him how to be a policy person really safe. And, but he's, he had to get his boss's permission. He'd worked for his boss for 20 years and he kept on going, he's not going to give me permission. And one of the things we have in the community, I ask people to get accountability partners, i.e. workout buddies. And, and his accountability partner kept saying, go talk to him. And she finally kicked him in his ass and said, go talk to him. And when he went in to talk to him, his response, when he says, when, when Charles asked him about this possibility of fellowship, his boss said, yeah, how can I help? <laughs> he created all this stress in his life because he knew his boss was going to say no. He made stuff up. And that's a, re and, and, the more you see yourself doing it and after the fact, you can go, wow, I created stress because I made stuff up. You know, I had a, I had a client, we went through an eight month process of getting hired at a pharmaceutical company in marketing. And we were near the end and the uh, headhunter simply stopped calling for two weeks. And my client was going, Oh my God, I've lost the job. They're not going to, well, the headhunter slash recruiter 
her mother got very ill and she just kind of dropped off the scene for two weeks. She made stuff up. She made it up in her head that, 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 that something is wrong. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, one step that people could take, you know, if they're trying to make that pivot is start conversations, you know, don't get caught up in the noise in their head and, you know, really try to follow what they're passionate about instead of making all this stuff up in their head and making excuses. That's right. Um, when you go talk to people, I have an acronym that I stole called asking for air. It's asking for advice, insights, and recommendations. So when you go talk to somebody and you say, can you know, I, I'm looking for some advice, by the way, that's a compliment. People will rarely turn you down. You're asking for their insights. And the last thing you're doing is you're asking for their recommendations. And I like to say in a sales perspective, asking for the recommendation is closing. You're asking for what's the next action. What's the next step I should take. And, you know, another good example is uh, my buddy, Tom Singer, who's, who's, he's a full-time public speaker and his business has totally blown up. And one of the things he's been doing is he says, I'm going to talk to one smart person every single day. So when he, he says, I'm going to talk to a smart person, you, you can, can you talk to me today? <laughs> Are you going to turn him down? No, of course not. Right. And he's just going, okay, here's the predicament I'm in. What do you think I should do? And he says 80% of the time he doesn't get a good answer, but he says, you know, about 10% of the time he gets some real nuggets. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, he's out being vulnerable, right? And going, okay, what do you think I ought to do? Have you ever heard the term weak ties? No, I have not. Okay. You, you, in, in the networking world, you have weak ties and strong ties. Okay. Strong ties are people who know you really well, by the way, th your strong ties know the same people you do. And by the way, this is based out of a study done in the 1970s out of Stanford. Your weak ties are people who only know you marginally, but know who you are. And those people are actually more valuable to you than your people who know you really well. Fascinating. Because they know people you don't know. Wow. So, uh, Sergio, a classic weak tie for you is you got kids, right? I do. I have two. Okay. It's your kids, friends, parents. Yeah, they think they're my friends, but they're really not. <laughs> well, the point there is, no, it's your kids' friends, not, but it's their, it, your kids' friends' parents. Yeah, the parents, they think, be... they think we're friends, but we're not. Okay. But, but they could work anywhere, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, when I was, I, I, I had a near fatal bicycle accident 20 years ago. I hit a car head on at 50 miles an hour. And yes, I lived. And. <laughs> Wow. I need to hear more about that. <laughs> well, I, I, I hit a car head on at 50 miles an hour. I tore up a knee. I broke a hip. I dislocated a shoulder, broke a bunch of ribs, um, broke the clavicle. I had imprints, the pads, the helmet in my head, but I had I, no internal injuries and no brain injuries. I'm willing to admit to, 
Um, they had me walking on crutches in three days. I was back on a bike in 10 weeks and I was flying back to China in four months. And oh, by the way, I flew into Guangdong province in November of 2002 to train Huawei, the bad boy of China. And, um, and that was the epicenter of SARS V1. Great timing. Wow. I, I mean, I got impeccable timing. <laughs> so, um, and that's when I went off and taught high school math after that. But, um, that when I went to go teach high school math, my most valuable uh, connection was my chiropractor. How? My chiropractor knew three different superintendents. <laughs> Interesting. Right? At that point, at that point, I'd been with her for 10 years. She knew my values. She certainly knew what I had gone through and what I was doing. And that's an example of a weak tie. Is it? Yes. Wow. And so, in other words, was I was I was I best friends with Michelle, my chiropractor? No. But a weak tie you're, has more value, is what you're saying. I think, right? Yes, it has more value because they they have a network that doesn't overlap yours. Yeah, that makes sense. So think think about, um, you know, you, your lawyer, your accountant, your tax preparer, um, your. Um, your children's pediatrician. Um, there are all these people that you develop certain level of relationships. Are you close? No. But these are people who know people that you don't. And you can go ask for advice from them. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's, I mean, that that is gold right there because I think everyone thinks it's the strong ties where you get your value. No one even thinks about the weak ties or, you know, expanding your overall network because you don't think that there's any value there. But according to you that, and that studied Stanford, that's just yeah. ass backwards. Yeah. It's Mark Granovetter did this a long time ago. Um, and you can Google it. It's, it's very famous study. And so it's, uh, but it's one of those things is uh, you're not going to do any of this stuff by yourself. You got to go out and ask a lot of questions. You're going to have to go out and be vulnerable. Ooh, that vulnerable word. Mm -hmm. um, you might actually ask, need to ask for help. Yes, I'm a guy. I don't like asking for directions. <laughs> so none of this, and, and by the way, the path that you are likely to take is probably different from most other people's path. I've had a number of folks who've made some fairly complex pivots and they found someone I like to say who looked, tasted, and smelled like them and who had already accomplished the change. And then that person could ask at that person could act as a Sherpa and then helping them move along. So is there a straight line to do this? The answer is nope. Yeah. But get out there, have that conversation build your network, learn from yep. people, and you're on the right track. Correct. And you have to understand what's really important to you. Um, I remember I was in a, a panel discussion at University of Texas the one time, and this one woman in the audience said, yeah, I thought I wanted to be, do all this fashion stuff in stores, and then I found out I have to work weekends. And it's like, okay, good, you found that out early because – having your weekend was obviously really important, mm -hmm. right? Uh, 
But if she didn't do the homework, she wouldn't have known that. Yeah. So Mark, going back, if you could go back in the beginning of your career, you know, when you, when you, when you, when you left corporate America and you started, you know, your own business, you started career pivot, what would you tell yourself? Like what was some advice that you would give yourself when you started that, that you know today? Okay. Number one is real obvious. I undercapitalized. Uh, I didn't spend enough money early on because um, I grew up, my father, my father was an economist from New York Stock Exchange. He was, my dad wasn't frugal. He was cheap. <laughs> so th- that rubbed off on me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I, I've been accused of squeaking when I walk. I'm so tired. <laughs> Uh, so, and, and, but I had, a, I hired a, a coach at the v- very early on. And the one thing she really hammered into me is understand um, what you're good at and what you're not good at and what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. And those things that you don't enjoy and you're not good at, get somebody else to go do. Extremely important. Extremely important. I can, that resonates with me. Because, uh, you know, I have my own practice uh, and there's things that I'm good at and there's things that I am terrible at. And it's um, a lot of them are low value activities, the things that I'm terrible at, but take a ton of time. (laughs) Yes. And so I didn't outsource enough early on. So I and that's one of the things is uh, it's kind of like in my online community right now, I have a guy starting a podcast. And he was looking at Podbean. And I know this guy, he's frugal. I won't call him cheap. <laughs> and he was going to use the free platform. And I went, okay, choosing a podcast host is kind of like getting married. Oh. <laughs> okay. You, you can separate, but it's painful. <laughs> okay. If you suddenly have a hundred episodes and you say, I want to change my feed and I want to move it over to somebody else, it can be done. It's not easy. Ah, this makes so, sense. Right? So don't look at the free piece of it as the driving factor versus picking one that does all the stuff that you want it to do, which means you actually have to do your homework. Hmm. So, you know, it's in, in, you know, like right now, I'm, I won't tell you who I'm on, but I pay $20 a month and I'm, to me, it's worth the, it's weight in gold. Um, Cause they give me great statistics. And yes, like I said, I'm a recovering engineer. I love looking at numbers and you have to remember, I, I've gone through some major changes in the last two or three years since moving to Mexico because we're living on next to nothing. Uh, by the way, I said I'm 64. Um, I have a very healthy retirement account. I don't need to make any money anymore. So, you know, you, you, you your mindset shifts. You are a free retiree, what we call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but I can, I can keep doing this until forever. Yeah. I have, I, I hike with a bunch of folks in their late seventies and they kick my ass. <laughs> and by the way, they're mostly women. <laughs> I can't keep up with them. 
so it's but the the key pieces is, is it's it's the mindset shift yeah i love that that's great advice man i love it so mark thank you for coming on with us today we enjoyed everything you had to share with us um but to close as an expat what would you say uh you know how is it give give listeners a little rundown about you know Mexico and life in Mexico. Is it worth it? Okay. Oh, yes. Um, I live in paradise um, on half of what I did in the U.S. Um, the, the real challenge of people coming to um, becoming an expat. I, we originally, originally was reading a bunch of books on being an expat, and there was an Ecuadorian expat book because we originally thought we might move to Ecuador. And the the comment that stuck with me was if you live like a local eat like a local transport like a local and it's real helpful to speak like a local i.e learn the, the language mm -hmm. you will be happier healthier and live a longer life if you want to go and live like an american which you can transport like an american eat all the good packaged foods that you want to eat. <laughs> you can, and you'll pay in dollars. You'll pay in money. You'll pay in health and you won't live as long. Now, the question is, do you want to do that? So when people uh, retire overseas as couples, it is not uncommon to see a divorce. Wow. That's crazy. I would have thought like you're living in paradise. What's there to worry about? Well, what happens is one of them decides, wow, I love this transition, this new life. And the other one doesn't. Mm. And it isn't always the one who said, yes, let's go do this. They get there and suddenly go, oh, I need to get my Oreos every day. <laughs> or, um, you know, I'm, you know, in this we on average drive, I get in the car about every two to three weeks. I walk everywhere. Now we've chosen where we live. So everything is within walking distance. So, and, and when we go into Guadalajara, it's about a 50 minute drive to go to Costco. Yes. We have Costco and Home Depot and yep. Lowe's and, <laughs> bed bath and beyond and all that good stuff there so um but what's important to you and if it's getting my philly cheesesteak which you're not going to get here uh it's you might you might get one but out. i just won't be actual uh, <laughs> that's right versus and one of the things we very specifically chose to do when we moved here was uh, we have no, we, we don't get TV. Wow. I don't have cable news. We've made certain choices that we want to adapt. Now I've worked in 40 different countries. I've spoken at one time, decent social German. I tried to learn Mandarin in my forties. Um, but, and my wife has never spoken a foreign language and we're taking Spanish classes. And for her, it's really hard, but, by the way, it's really good for her brain. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Got to exercise the brain as you get older. And, you know, and so therefore 
and and you have to sort of give yourself time. Um, but it's this is if you are willing to adapt and look at it's kind of like the um, the growth mindset. Do you look at problems that occur? Do you look at a problem as as something? Oh my gosh, I got a problem. I got to fix it. Oh God. Or do you look at it as a challenge? That's different between a fixed mindset is, which is, which is the first and, and a growth mindset says, ah, Hey, it's just a challenge. I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. If you're, if that's what you're interested in, then this is, it's, it's wonderful. That's, I love that. Great, great yeah. insight, Mark. Yeah. Well, hey, Good man, stuff. thank you. Thank you so much for coming on our show today. We loved having you. Hopefully we'll bring sure. you on again because you have, you're just a wealth of knowledge, but you were fantastic. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. You can reach me at careerpivot.com. Um, and there's a contact me link on, on, on the homepage or actually on every page. Uh, you will find Repurpose Your Career, a practical guide for the second half of life. And You'll find it in Amazon and all the other fine online retailers. As my co-author, Susan Leahy, she gave the book to all three of her now semi-adult um, children. They're all, in, they're all out of college. And they all said, wow, this is really practical. Uh, you will also find Repurpose Your Career a, a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, Overcast, Spotify, Pandora, you'll everywhere you'll find it. You can find it anywhere. Yeah, Serge, and, you, uh, you got it. You got to check it out. It's he's got. I know. I'm podcast. Look, I'm looking at it right now, and I'm really interested in this. Uh, my life in Mexico during COVID nineteen. Mark, we really appreciate you coming on today. You've given us an amazing amount of knowledge. Love all your wisdom. I definitely hope our listeners go and check out your website and your company. I think you're doing a great thing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are tuning off for the day. Thank you for listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities American Incorporated. Member FINRA, www.finra.org. SIPC, www.sipc.org. A separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities American Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities American Advisors, and Securities American Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities American Advisors or Securities American Incorporated. Securities American Advisors, Securities American Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party sourced information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc., The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.